0: How many people do we have here this morning maybe close to 50 or something um, how many reasons is that per person might need to get started here why are you worshiping the lord this morning Do you think you understand it all this morning? Oh, my daughter does. Oh, that's surprising. <laughs> well, the rest of you sing this song with me, please.
1: Skill to understand, to understand what, God God will, will, what, God what God has will what God has planned I, I, right I only know at His right hand one who is my Savior I take Him at His word indeed I take his word and deed. Christ I do save Oh yeah. Señor.
0: How do you know he's living this morning? Well, there's one person that knows. How do the rest of you know? Because we're alive, too. Right. Through whatever you're going through this morning. of the week there's one who makes a way for you through whatever you find happening in your life
1: you are here moving in our midst. I worship you
0: to you that he hasn't kept has there any, ever been a time that he hasn't shown you his light when you needed it no. that's who he is he can't be anything else because of that he is he is worthy He's the only one who's worthy.
1: Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? She
0: Come on up here and uh, take a seat. I have a little story for you. I don't think we're singing, but I'll have a story for you. Yeah. All right. Have you guys ever had something happen that, well, maybe uh, mom and dad tell you you can do something later on, or they make a promise to you that, okay, we can eventually we're going to do this, or we're going to have this party, or have this treat and sometimes it is hard to wait for that a little bit of time goes past mom are you ready yet mom can we do this yet dad does that ever happen Uh have you ever tried to uh, just go ahead and do that yourself maybe maybe uh, your mom and dad are going to teach you a new game or something And you were looking forward to this. And it just doesn't happen. Mom and dad aren't ready yet. So you decide you're going to try to do this yourself. But you don't know the rules to the game. And it doesn't really work out, right? You know what? Did you know adults do that kind of thing too? God tells us something. Or we know that God wants... Us to go a certain way, but we're not willing to wait on him. It's really hard to wait. It's not just kids that it's hard that have a hard time waiting. Adults do too. And there's there's actually a lot of stories in the Bible about adults that weren't willing to wait. But there was one I was thinking of in particular, and there these adults they got punished. So they got punished in a lot of different ways, but. How would you guys like to drink water that has ground-up gold in it? Did you know that there's a story in the Bible where adults were punished by having to drink water that had ground-up gold in it? Well, you know what gold is, right? Like a gold earring or something, and it was ground-up really fine and and mixed in with the water. So there's little bits of metal in the water, and they had to drink it. Did you know there's a story like that in the Bible? Ah, there's a new one for you. All right, well, this was the children of Israel. You could probably guess that. So, you remember they were going through the wilderness after God delivered the children of Israel from Egypt? You know that story, right? And you remember the story about God giving Moses the Ten Commandments where he went up on the mountain and God uh, took these big pieces of stone and wrote down the commandments and, and while God uh, while Moses was up there, God gave him all the other laws and things that they were supposed to do. In fact, it was so long that uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was up there for 40 days and nights getting all this yep there there was a lot of things in, in the Bible that happened that were 40 days and nights um, so Moses is up there, getting all the law and all the instructions from God. What do you think all the people were doing? Remember, they're down at the bottom of the mountain for forty days, wondering what's happened to Moses up there. Do you know what happened? An idol. Do you know how that happened? how How did that idol happen? Do you know, Sherry? No, I didn't know my kids knew this story. All right. (laughs) <laughs> so Moses is up there, and the the children of Israel are like, "No, oh, he's our leader. He's been gone for 40 days. That's over a month, and we're just down here in the camp. We don't know what's happening." Well, we need we need some other gods. We need something to follow. So, you know what they did? How do you remember how that happened? Yep. Aaron, the priest, told them, "All right, well, give me all your jewelry," and he melted it down and turned it into an idol in the shape of a calf. And then he said, "All right, here you go. This is your new god." That was kind of a dumb thing for him to do, right? So they he, they got tired of waiting on God, so they decided they're going to make their own god. That was a really that was a really uh, weird thing to happen, wasn't it? Because because who would who would who would think that this piece of gold could keep leading them through the wilderness so yeah they weren't they weren't think, thinking right so see there that happens to adults too it's not just it's not just kids that come up with some crazy ideas of what they can do when mom and dad aren't around adults sometimes do that kind of thing too and that's what these adults did well so they started having a big party and worshiping this idol and, and after a while god tells Moses hey, all those people down on the down at the bottom of the mountain, they're getting into they're getting into trouble. You need to you need to go back down there. And God was actually so angry with him that He told Moses He's just going to destroy them all, and uh, except for Moses and and his family, and He would raise up a whole new tribe of people from Moses. But Moses begged God not to do that, and God actually listened to Moses. When Moses comes down from the mountain and he hears this great big noise either. and uh, they thought well, Joshua was with him and they thought at first that it was the sound of war like there was fighting and and Moses is like no that's actually the sound of people celebrating and having a big party and so Moses came down off the mountain and he got to where he could see them and he saw them all partying and worshiping this golden calf and he was so angry what do you what do you think he did he threw that big Uh, rock down that had all the commandments written on them and they broke into pieces. And he was so angry he went down to to Aaron and said, Aaron, what is happening here? How did this happen that you guys are worshiping this idol while I was gone? You know what he told him? He's like, oh, well, the people didn't know if you were going to come back and so they They decided they wanted their own God, and so I told them to give me all their jewelry, and I got all their jewelry, and I threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. That sounds like a pretty uh, crazy story, right? You think that would happen? You think you could take all your mom's jewelry or earrings or whatever and throw them into the fire, and a calf would come out? No. (laughs) No, I don't don't know how Aaron thought that anyone would believe that. That was pretty crazy, right? Uh, Moses got really angry and he took that that golden calf and he burned it and ground it up into powder and mixed it with all their drinking water and made them all drink the water. And God came and and judged them and actually a lot of people died because of that too. So remember when you're uh, waiting on your parents, remember that even parents have to learn to wait and they have to wait on God and listen to what God tells them. And parents uh, come up with some pretty crazy excuses to God, too. So you kids aren't, uh, you kids aren't alone in coming up with crazy excuses. Um, the rest of us all do that, too. But we all need to learn to be patient and to wait on God and to wait on our parents, to wait on the promises that God and our parents give us. All right? You can go back to your seats. All right, welcome each one of you, it's good to have you here this morning and got uh, a nice sunny day in between all our rainstorms, I'm I'm not tired of the rain yet, hopefully you're not either, it's, uh, we don't get to see enough of that in Colorado, so thanking the Lord for the rain and all the green that it produces, but we're also glad for the sunshine, we're glad for everyone that came out today, just joining in. Worshipping with us. Um, I don't think we have any announcements out of the ordinary. We have our uh, lunch after the service, and uh, please do stay and join in that time of fellowship. Our uh, numbers are a little bit fewer than what they are sometimes, so uh, so stay and join in that time of fellowship. I believe Phil's going to bring the word to us this morning. Before he does that, let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning and thank you for your word. And I thank you that you open your word to us and, and you speak to us. And I pray that our hearts and minds would be open to receive your truth. I pray that... You would speak through our brother and speak the words that you want us to hear thank you for everyone here this morning i pray that you would bless our time of fellowship and father that through our time here this morning we would be drawn closer to you we ask in jesus name amen
2: oh uh into the word i have a wonderful announcement to make to everyone uh brother judd and sister megan came to me and said would you announce that we got engaged so let's praise the lord they also requested prayer and i think this is wonderful that their heart is to come and have we as a body pray over them committing them to The Lord, the shepherd of their souls. So Judd and Megan, can you come forward? And I'm going to ask Dave and Faith and Merv and Olga to come forward. And anyone else who wants to join us. And just surround them, the ministry team, and and pray over them. Do you guys want to share anything? Anything you'd like to say? Okay. I'm sorry? Yes, if you wouldn't mind. Go ahead and kneel. I'll ask you as dads to... Pray first. Do we have a mic, Anthony? Can we get a mic? Lord, we just come before you and we thank you. Just thank you for your love. Yes. You're a good, good father.
0: Just thank you for our children. Thank you for Jed and Meg. I just pray that you be with them, go before them. Just pray that you be with them. Through this time and this time of uh, excitement and joy within their hearts and Amen. within our hearts, Father, I just pray Your hedge of uh, protection over them. Lord, I just uh, just thank You for Your faithfulness, and Lord, I just want to commit them into Your hands, Father, and continue to be with them. Just thank You for Your blessings. Amen.
3: Yes, Lord, we come to you this morning and Mm. thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you're a good God and you love us.
2: Amen. You love
3: to have um, good things happen in our lives. And I thank you for Judd and Megan and just the the testimony that they've had and uh, um, just pray that you would continue to lead them and guide them, um, be with them in all the Decisions they need to make and and things that need to be done. I just pray that you would give them grace and strength and mm-hmm. just help them to grow in love for each other and in love for you first of all. And um, they would just be a testimony to you for you. And uh, pray that you would um, be with their families, us and Dave's and their, their the siblings. I just pray that you would help us to. Um, we're happy, and yet there's a lot of emotion. I just ask that your grace would be upon us. Amen, in, in Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Would your moms like to pray? Feel free. Anyone else? Father, we thank you for Justin Megan, and Megan. Mm-hmm. We just bless them, and we praise you for the way they're doing it. Um Honoring their parents, first of all, and honoring you as well. Yes. And we just ask your blessing, God, that they get to enjoy the process and just get to know you more mm. as they walk together and just Amen, Lord. Yeah, just show them who you are, God. Bless them, Lord. Show them that this is your a presence. good thing, that this was your plan from the beginning, and that it's beautiful. Just bless them. And also help us to bless them as well and, and help them in this process. Amen. Father, we lift up these two young souls before you. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your great love that you have loved us with. And only you know how to take a human heart and knit it together in the love of Christ. This is not a fleshly thing, Lord, where they just meet each other at a bar somewhere and decide to start hanging out and then move in together and just begin to do life. No, Lord, this is you. This is your love putting through the power of your Holy Spirit into their hearts, a love for each other, a holy love, a love that it comes out of the heart of God, a love that bonds them together. And on this journey to the altar of the wedding day, makes them one, both in heaven and on earth. Oh, Lord, put your love like a seal over each one of their hearts first keep them holy and pure as they walk through the journey of preparation Lord of becoming one in you and Lord as this oneness grows in many ways of making plans and their love deepens I pray Lord Jesus you would stand right in between them and sanctify their hearts and keep them Lord Jesus for yourself a glorious bride That you can look upon and bless with all the blessing of their Heavenly Father. And I pray the same for their parents. Come and anoint them with all the oil of the Holy Spirit, Lord. In every way, I pray, let your joy just spring forth out of their hearts. Like an artesian well. And make them a blessing. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Hallelujah. Boy, that's precious, right? Amen. May the Lord do more, many more of those among us. <clears throat> you may turn your Bibles with me. Open your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 8. Beginning in verse 1. There is therefore. Now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit or those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who are according to the spirit the things of the spirit for the mind set on the flesh is death but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God. It's literally what that word means. Like this. You get the picture? Hostile towards God. The mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God or it does not subject itself to the law of god nor is it even able to do so however and those who are in the flesh cannot cannot please god however you are not in the flesh but in the spirit you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit dwells within you, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Him. And if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive Because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him. Who raised Jesus from the dead. Dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus. From the dead. Will also. Will also. Give life. To your mortal body. Through his spirit. Who indwells you. So then brethren. We are not. In obligation to the flesh. To live according to the flesh. Or if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all. For all. Who are being led by the Spirit of God. These are sons of God. Or you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. But you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. That word means Daddy, Daddy. For the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if you're children, then heirs also. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him in order to, that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility. Not of its own will, but because of him who who subjected it in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For if we know, for we know, that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. Not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly. For our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope, for in hope, we have been saved. But hope that is seen is not hope. Hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one also hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, With perseverance, with, that word is also patience. With perseverance, patience, we wait eagerly for it. What are you waiting eagerly for? And in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches the hearts and knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that god causes all things to work together for good to those who love god to those who are called according to his purpose for whom he foreknew he also predestined he predestined that means you have a destination set by god when you Preset your GPS to a destination. That's what the GPS is going to tell you. The voice of the GPS will tell you always to go to the destination. Always. Right? Make a wrong turn. Turn around. Make a U-turn. Make a U-turn. At the next road, make a U-turn. The voice will always take you to the set destination. This is what the Holy Spirit has come to do. God's destination upon me the Holy Spirit takes me there for whom he foreknew he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son that's our destination that he might be the firstborn among many brethren Jesus standing right here in the middle of all of us who are conformed into His likeness. He's a brother. He's not... We look like Him. We talk like Him. We're related to Him. We're heirs together with Him. We share the same inheritance. His joy is our joy. His peace is our peace. His love for the Father's will is my love for the Father's will. His purpose... My purpose, I'm being made one. He's standing among his family. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And whom he predestined, these he also called. Come follow me. That's still what he says to every disciple. Come, follow me. He called. And whom he called these he justified just as if you had never sinned once that's what the word means there's no blame there's no condemnation you're just in his sight he's a brother in his family and whom he justified these he also glorified John 17 Jesus said father I pray that the glory you have given me you would give them now the hour is coming when I shall be glorified with my father what was that glorification of Jesus think about that that's the glory sharing with us conformed into his image is our destination what then shall we say to these things if God is for us who is against us he who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all how will he not also with him freely give us All things, the same things. You will. He is offering you and I the exact same life that He gave to His only beloved Son. That same inheritance, that same relationship, that same life on the earth. Would you like? You want to come? partake of this life he's standing every day freely sharing it with all those who let him in but if you haven't let him in yet he says to the church at Laodicea behold I stand at the door he's knocking here's a Christian church that comes together just like this, sings gospel songs, prays prayers, talks about Jesus, shares life together, but Jesus is not here. He's outside knocking on the door. And no one's answering the door. But he says, if someone will just open the door, any one of you, that knock on your heart, if you open up, I'll come in. And he says, not only will I come in, but my Father will come in also. And we will will make ourselves right at home. We will abide with you. We'll have fellowship together. We'll make your life like mine. Most people in this world who desire to have their sins forgiven and be loved by God do not want that. They're not willing for God to do that to them. Do you? How will He not also with Him freely give us all things who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is one who justifies whenever, every time, the scribes, Pharisees, or any other critic. Brought a criticism of one of Jesus' disciples to Jesus. Jesus always justified them. Always. That's who he is. Because he's already done it. He continues to do it. When the critics come. Who will bring against? God's elect a charge. God is the one who justifies. Who is the one? who condemns Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather he who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. You're never alone in your struggle. Jesus is always making intercession for us. And that's why he's the only one who can justify. He's the only one who died. He's the only one who intercedes. Who shall separate us from this love of Christ? Who shall separate you from this love of Christ? Can a critic do that? Can anyone do that? Shall tribulation, tough times, Distress, a lot of stress. That's what distress means. Stressed out, we call it today. Stressed out. How about persecution? People's anger. That's what persecution is. People's anger. People's anger at you. Will that separate you from this love of Christ? Can that cause Christ to stop making intercession, to stop justifying you, to stop sharing and fellowshipping with you, to stop the voice of predestination in your life, conforming you into his image? Can that stop it? How about famine? You're starving. You're in deep need. In famine, people go into poverty. Deep need. Can that, your deepest needs, can separate you from this love of Christ, His justification, His intercession? Can it? about nakedness? Cold and shivering. When it says nakedness, it means nakedness. When Katie and I were in Haiti, believe it or not, there were people so poor, They have no money to buy clothes they walk around naked and it's so shocked I remember Katie especially just she just like what we're going on this truck way up the mountain steep hillside roads back in the bush the hill country of Haiti the people are so poor they have no money And so they walk around naked. Can that separate you from the love of Christ? Can it? From Christ making intercession? From Christ justifying you? From Christ's predestined voice conforming you into His image? We're pearl. Great danger or sword. You meet the danger and your head is off. Will that separate you? What about all those young Christian children? Young Christian children. I just gave a book that I shared with Brother Steve not too long ago called The Martyr of the Catacombs. If you haven't read it, you should read it. It's a really good story. But there are actually many other stories in Fox's Book of Martyrs and Martyr's Mirror and numerous other accounts where Christian young people were caught by the vicious Roman regime. And in those days, the Roman populace loved blood shed. It got them roaring. Excitement was at the Colosseum on a Friday night and guess what's happening yeah some of those evil Christians are gonna be fed to some lions that's what's gonna happen yeah let's go see it hey guys you wanna to go to the Colosseum Friday night yeah let's go sure and it was packed out this young 14 year old girl this is not more of the catacombs that was a young boy but in another story this young 14 year old girl along with other young people were led out to the hungry lions and the Roman government was merciful believe it or not they trained these young people how to die quickly so it's less painful moves to make so that the lions quickly do their job and thoroughly and as they were out there in the crowd They began to do that. But this young girl, the Holy Spirit spoke into her heart and said, No, don't do that. Don't make those physical moves. Be bold. And trust me. And so she didn't. And a young lion comes up to her and begins to tear her and shake her in his mouth. And then he drops her. And she finds herself alive after it's all over laying in the dust. And the medics run out and they bring her back and they actually nurse her. They begin to bandage up her wounds but her face is deformed, tore apart. Her arms are, her body's deformed. She slowly heals. A nurse, a Roman nurse in the Colosseum has pity takes her home with her and begins to bring her and nurse her back to health. But she walks with a deep limp and she's deformed and she has many scars and a lot of pain. It's a long process. A young Roman centurion soldier, very rich man from a wealthy senator's family, was in the crowd that night and he watched it. And for some reason, his eyes stayed fixed on this young girl, and he noticed she didn't die. And in his heart, he wondered, what happened to this young girl? What happened to her? He begins to make inquiry, And because he has a powerful dad in the government, they're able to make inquiry and find out what happened. And they found out what nurse nursed this young girl. Long story short, they get married he becomes a Christian. It's an amazing story. Will that separate her from the love of Christ? Everyone else in that Colosseum died that day. She didn't. Her road, her predestination was to be conformed into his image in a different way. A long road of suffering. Just as it is written, for thy sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, in all these things, we overwhelmingly, not just barely, we overwhelmingly, that means that we overwhelm. The obstacles, the tribulation, the famine, the dangers, the pearls, the stress, the tribulation, the persecution, we overwhelm it. In almost every case of Christians that I fellowship with, rarely do I see a Christian overwhelming the difficulty. In most cases, they come to me as a pastor because they are the ones overwhelmed by the circumstance. And they feel like they're barely hanging on. I'm just about losing and ready to walk away from God. Please keep me. Pastor, keep me. Pray for me. I'm gonna walk away. I'm barely surviving. What makes these people that we read, the ones who start out with no condemnation in Christ Jesus, who walk this journey, what brings them to this point where now not only does all these things do not separate them from the love of this, this love of Christ, but now it's turned around. They overwhelmingly conquer all these things. Is this crazy? Is it abnormal? Is it just some nice good theory? Or is it real? But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through Him who loved us. For I am convinced That neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, that means authorities in high places of spiritual wickedness, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord now if you're looking at you inside your heart that love you may be separated from but if you're seeing what this man sees the love of Christ for me you will also be able to say nothing can separate me from his love he won't stop loving he won't stop interceding his destination is set upon me and no matter how many wrong turns i take the voice keeps correcting me correcting me correcting me taking me back to that destination no matter how the whole world condemns me to die in a Colosseum and be eaten by lions and the whole city is roaring for my death I'm in his love he's justifying me they're all condemning me but he justifies me because he died and he's making intercession I don't know about you but this This is impossible for me. In my flesh, there's no way I can live this life. In my mind, absolutely impossible. I can take a few steps at it, but it seems like every step forward, I take two backward. It's a little bit like this. You're going up a steep, muddy hill. I'll give you a story of how this happened to me. And I often think about this analogy in my Christian life. Later on, not the same trip that Katie and I took, but I went back to Haiti. I was there for about 10 days, back in the hill country of Haiti, preaching the gospel and encouraging pastors for about 10 days with a few other brothers. We were sharing the word, and it started raining. And one night in particular, we would all bail on the pickup, and the church building where we met, the little building, was up higher on the hill than the little house that we were staying at and and the road would zigzag back and forth and back and forth and I don't know maybe about a mile up the hill is where the church was as I recall it was a little ways just as we got into the truck and started off and we all just bailed on the back of the pickup it started raining and it was a torrential rain like we had the other night pouring rain and those dirt trails, that's all it really was, roads started getting slippery and muddy and they put it in four-wheel drive and they tried to go up and back and forth and finally we were just, they were stuck and and eventually we, we were like, we're late, I mean, church is starting and we were like, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes late and I was supposed to preach that night and... One of the guys beside me says, get out, Phil, and run. Just run as hard as you can and get there. They're all waiting on you. I had these shoes on. Something like it. Probably not these very ones, but this seems to be my style I like for church. Can you imagine that? And it was mud, I mean, and I was slopping, and it was pouring rain and trying to go up this steep hill in the mud, and it was everywhere. And I, I remember I finally came in the door of the, of the little building, and I was like, oh, oh, just dripping and muddy and mud caked everywhere. And the, the interpreter, the translator was up here, and he was like, there he is, Brother Phil, come on up. I was thinking to myself, how in the world am I going to preach like this? I went up there, mud and all, but hey, who cared? It was kind of like an old concrete floor anyhow, and the pews were just a piece of plywood set on some round logs anyway. It wasn't nice like this. There was no carpet, and it was pouring so hard. It was loud and thundering, and we just had a little metal roof, some metal tin roof, and it was loud in there. The rain was so hard. I remember standing up there saying, God, I can't do this. I'm overwhelmed right now with the rain and the mud. But the Lord had given me a word to share, and he opened my mouth. And that night, something amazing happened. The Holy Spirit poured out himself upon those hearts through that translator, and I had no idea what was all going on here while I was sharing the word but the Holy Spirit did and he took his living word and he put it into those hearts of those mountain people And I'll never forget after the meeting I realized that there was someone important there and here it was the governor of the area we would call him like I don't know it was more of like a region so it wasn't like a mayor it was Kind um, of like the governor of the state of, of that area of, and and his entourage was sitting there that night and the place was full of people from important people to, to people who were just peasants who were barely able to make a living and how do you talk to people like that? Well, the Lord knew they needed to hear from a guy who looked just like him who was soaked wet had endured the elements. And still got up and shared the word of God with them. Who overwhelmingly conquered the circumstance I found myself in. And the Holy Spirit then said, since you obeyed me and did not shy away. And were worried about how you looked and had to dry off and take the mud off your shoes. You just got up there and served me. I'm going to honor. Because that's how these people live. They need to relate to my word. And they need to relate, hear it from a person who is just like him now. Overwhelmingly conquered through the power of obedient faith. That's all it takes. It's really simple. This is Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 1 begins with this. This is where the journey begins. Paul a bondservant of Christ Jesus called as an apostle set apart for the gospel of God which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures concerning his son who was born of the descendant of David according to the flesh who was declared the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace, that means help, and apostleship, a calling to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his name's sake. That's our destination. That's what we're called to. Every one of us in our own circumstances. And God has amazing, wondrous ways to bring the elements of creation to testify this and to bring it about in our lives. That's what he uses all these things for. That's what he used the lions in the Colosseum in this young 14-year-old girl, Christian's life. And she overwhelmingly conquered. There's an amazing word in Zechariah. Zechariah speaks of this to Israel at a time when Israel was at a tough time. He's speaking to the people who had come back from Babylon to the land of Israel through the leadership of Ezra and Nehemiah. Nehemiah led the people of Israel back to have build the walls of the city. He was the governor of the land commissioned by the king in Babylon. And then he went back to serve the king. Ezra brought a a group of people and he was a priest. And his calling was to build the temple to call Israel to build a house of worship and you can read about this in Ezra in Ezra chapter 3 i think it is you find that you can turn your bibles there with me yes in Ezra chapter three, when they began to build the temple, but they only got as far as building the foundation, and Israel was so overwhelmed. This is how emotional it was for them. Read this in Ezra chapter three, verse eleven, verse ten. Now, when the builders had laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests stood in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites. The sons of Asaph. Remember who the sons of Asaph was? Who was Asaph? Someone tell me. Huh? Yes, he was the chief musician of which king? David. David. He was David's worship leader of Israel during David's reign. Whose son was Asaph? Can someone tell me? He was of the sons of Korah. Who was Korah, by the way? Someone tell me. You remember who Korah was? We read about him in the desert when Moses was leading Israel through the desert. What happened to Korah? Uh, The earth swallowed him up because he was rebellious towards Moses. But one of his sons was spared. didn't follow his father down into the grave. When Moses said, Anyone else who's on the Lord's side, come over here. Korah's. Son, one of Korah's sons, left and came over to Moses, left his family. Asaph was one of the sons of Korah, became the worship leader in Israel through the greatest reign of the greatest king Israel had ever seen, David. The most spiritual man, Jesus, the son of David, right? God seemed fit that now the sons of Asaph were there rebuilding the temple and they sing and they sang praising and giving thanks to the Lord according to the directions of King David of Israel saying for he is good for his loving kindness is upon Israel forever and all the people shouted with a great shout When they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Yet, many of the priests and Levites and heads of fathers' households, the old men who had seen the first temple, Solomon's, wept with a loud voice when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes. While many shouted aloud for joy. So that the people could not extinguish the sound of the shout of joy from the sound of the sound of weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout and the, hurt, the sound was heard far away. You know what happened next? They all went home. And for 16 years, no one took it further. Only the foundation was laid there was so much confusion in Israel because the people were excited the young people but the old people wept because of the pain of the memories of that journey and so it stalled the work for 16 years now God is saying through Zechariah and through Haggai, they both prophesied together, to Joshua, who was the governor of the land, and to, um, let me find it, Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel was the governor of the land, Joshua was the high priest. Those two men, and Zechariah's prophecy comes to them. It's time to build the temple. It's time to raise up more than just the foundations, but a house of worship. And it doesn't need to be like the old temple. It's going to be something new. And here's where God is speaking to them. And then in verse 6, Then he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, saying... Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. What are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become as a plain. And he will bring forth the top stone with shouts of grace, grace to it also the word of the Lord came to me saying the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house and his hands will finish it then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you for who has despised the day of small beginnings But these seven will be glad when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These are the eyes of the Lord which range to and fro throughout the earth. By his Holy Spirit, we overwhelmingly conquer. Going back to Romans 8, you will notice something. This person begins with no condemnation in their life. They're forgiven. That takes care of all condemnation. When your child disappoints you or disobeys you and they say I'm sorry and you say you're forgiven, they walk away with a free conscience. Sin is not there anymore. The sin they committed, the disobedience, the guilt of it is gone. That's the power of forgiveness. It takes away guilt. Most importantly, guilt before God if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness if any man says i have no sin he's a liar and the truth is not in him but if we confess our sins he is faithful and just and we stand with no condemnation however The journey continues, the journey of this flesh. And in the first part of Romans chapter 8, you will notice that this person who has no condemnation because they've been forgiven of their sins, now has to deal with something else. Not the guilt of the sin anymore, but the flesh, the flesh that so quickly will lead them to sin. And he says this to him: there are two laws in your life. One is the law of sin and death. And the other is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And you have a choice. Will you let your flesh lead you through the law of sin and death? Or will you put that to death and allow the Holy Spirit to lead you into the law of life in Christ Jesus? One brother years ago described it this way about these two laws. A law of gravity no man can break. It is. It always is. It always has been since God created the world. The law of gravity is. And you can yell at it. You can scream at it. You can be angry at it. You can defy it. You can say, boast about it that you're going to break that law of gravity. You will not break the law of gravity you're subjected to it no matter what you think or say or do there's only one way you and I can be released from this law of gravity and that's through a greater law another law that also God created the law called aerodynamics you can break the law of gravity by stepping into an airplane and through that this greater law of aerodynamics, you can rise above the law of gravity. As long as you remain in that law of aerodynamics, you won't fall down and die. But the law of gravity still exists. The moment those engines stop, you're going down and you're going to die. The law of gravity is still there. It's just that the greater law holds you above it, supersedes it. This is the law of the Holy Spirit, the law of life in Christ Jesus. The law of sin and death still bides in my flesh, and it will until I'm released from this flesh. But if I, through the power of the Holy Spirit, Within my inner man. That's the engine. The inner man. That is, this body houses the real Phil that doesn't look like this Phil does. He's the real Phil. This is just a body shell. That inner man, nothing and no one, and not even this flesh, can separate from the love of Christ. Christ's intercession, his justification. His love, His care, his, his life within me. Nothing in this flesh can separate. But unless you and I subject to that law in our inner man, we are naturally subjected to the law of sin and death. We will die. And those whose mind is set on the flesh leads to death. Death. This is the truth of Romans chapter 8. But the glorious truth is that you and I can step into Christ, be born of His Spirit. And now Christ dwells within us. And He says this amazing, amazing truth. In Romans chapter 8, verse 11, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, Who raised Jesus from the dead? Did Jesus? God did. How did he do it? How did he do it? Someone tell me. By his spirit. Jesus hanging on that cross did one last thing. What did he say when he died? Someone tell me. Into your hands I commit my spirit, as his body died. Who brought to life the first man, Adam? You can read it in Genesis. God took dust and he created the body. Then what did he do? Mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. Except it wasn't resuscitation. It was the beginning of life. He breathed into him the spirit, and man became a living soul. This is what the breath of God does. And it's only the breath of God that can bring to life a living soul and a living spirit in Jesus. And it still is the only source of life. If you're looking for it anywhere else, You won't find it. You'll be a dead person walking. Dead in sins. Dead towards God. You can sit right here every Sunday. You can go to church all your life. You can do everything that this book tells you to do through the sheer will of your mind. But you can't breathe life into your spirit. You can't make it a living life giving experience only the Holy Spirit can do that you can give your body to be burned at the stake and not have this life in your spirit that's what 1 Corinthians 13 says you can give your body to be burned but if you do not have love it profits you nothing many of people have went to war over all the years of mankind. Millions and fought for a cause they believed in. And died for that cause. No love in their heart. A heart full of hatred for their enemy. Full of purpose for the cause. You can do that. It won't put life into their spirit. It won't take them to Jesus Christ the moment they die. And he says, welcome home, my precious child. Enter into the joy of your Lord, the inheritance that I received from my Father. It won't do that for them. There's only one thing that will. Not by might or by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. This Spirit that raised up Jesus... Now Jesus is knocking on every one of our hearts' lives. And he's saying, Will you let me breathe my spirit into your life? Will you? And if you do, I'll take over. I come to take over your whole life. I come to release you from the law of sin and death in your flesh. And this is what I will do for you. I will love you unceasingly. I will make intercession for you always before my Father for every failure you have in your life. I will justify you in front of a coliseum full of critics. I'll give you my justification. My presence will go with you wherever you go. You'll never be alone in this life. And nothing, even death itself, can separate you from my love that I share freely with you, and more. I'll set a destination on your life, my purpose, my Father's destination, to come and be conformed in the likeness of who I am while you live in this world. You'll begin to talk to people like I talk to them the voice of the Holy Spirit that they hear in their conscience will be echoed in you. They'll hear it through you. Same voice. His word. The love that I share with them through the Holy Spirit in their conscience and draw them to, they'll receive through you. Same compassion. Same heart of forgiveness. The same care, the same truth, the same truth they hear through the Holy Spirit in their conscience, they'll hear and see in your life. And when you fail and you come to me, I'll just continue to renew it because now I. You're mine. I live within your body. You're my temple. You're the person I'm living my life through on the earth. That's your destination. And no matter what happens, as long as you follow me, because I'll give you my spirit. And there are times you won't even know how to pray. But you will pray. Why? Because you need me. You don't know what to do. And so you just come to me. Or you're in a world of pain. And you don't know what to do. So you bring your heart to me. You bring your life to me. And my spirit, it will make intercession for you. I will intercede for you while all you can do is groan and groan you will groan you will you will groan every day of your life because you're not home you're in a warfare you're on the enemy's territory you're like those young american soldiers who parachuted in behind germany lines in world war two and they knew they all of a sudden they found themselves there and there was gunfire everywhere and these young eighteen-year-old soldiers tried to connect with somebody from their infantry and and they didn't know where to go or what to do or just hiding under logs and these guys had never been in a battle before. What were they to do? Follow their leader. Follow the instructions they had received and the compass they had gotten and go to the destination point that had been preset for them. And that's how they live or die. That's where we are. But be of good cheer because while you are in this warfare and you're in this flesh and you're groaning over your own failures, your own mistakes, your own weaknesses, I'm for you. You're not fighting alone. I'm fighting for you and I'll give you a hope. That's what he talks about. For in hope we have been saved. There's a hope that Jesus will continue to conform me into his image when I see those areas I'm not. There's a lovely verse in Ezekiel chapter 9. This verse of life. And this is a word the Lord gave me many years ago that encouraged me greatly. And I want to share it to you at this point. Turn your Bible with me to Ezekiel chapter 9. Israel here, Ezekiel was speaking to a backslidden Israel. This was before they were led away to Babylon. And the nation was against God. Anti-God. They had thrown Jeremiah in prison. They had burned the scroll of God's word that He had given him in the fire. They were determined to hang on to to being their own nation. God's old way of doing things in their life was their purpose. But God had a new mission for Israel to take them from an earthly nation to a spiritual one. And they weren't ready for it. And so they found themselves fighting against God and in that fight against God and against the voice of the prophets, they loved their idols and their sins. And there was a lot of bloodshed, jealousy, evil, lust, sacrificing their own children to idols, trying to appease the sun god. Ezekiel seen him in a vision where all these people were in there, women who wanted to get pregnant, they were in there to the sun god, begging the sun god for life, for life. The elders of Israel were worshiping. You can read through the book of Israel. It's amazing. It's astonishing. God's people. And God had enough. He couldn't bear with all the children crying out, all their blood crying out for justice anymore. Then he cried out in my hearing, chapter 9, verse 1, with a loud voice saying, Draw near, O executioners of the city, each with his destroying weapon in his hand. And behold, six men came from the direction of the upper gate, which faces north, each with his shattering weapon in his hand and among them was a certain man clothed in linen with a writing case at his loins and they went in and stood beside the bronze altar then the glory of God of Israel of the God of Israel went up from the cherub on which it had been to the threshold of the temple and he called to the man clothed in linen at whose loins was a writing case and the Lord said to him go through the midst of the city even through the midst of jerusalem and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over all the abominations which are being committed in its midst but to the others he said in my hearing go through the city after him and strike do not let your eye have pity and do not spare Utterly slay old men, young men, maidens, little children, and women. But do not touch any man on whom is the mark. And you shall start from my sanctuary. So they started with the elders who were before the temple. The Spirit of God in our world today is looking for Men and women who are groaning over sin. Around them and in them. Groaning over the body of this death. You see, before you Romans 8, Paul ends Romans chapter 7 with this. Who will deliver me from the body of this death? He groans, he cries out for deliverance. And then he comes with this promise. I thank God through Jesus Christ my Lord. I overwhelmingly conquer that's when the Holy Spirit takes over that's when he comes and gives life your brother sister your friend this is the way of life this is the pathway to conquering death in me and receiving life From the Holy Spirit. But it's going to change everything. It changes the old. Just like Israel couldn't take the old government. Into the new spiritual one. Only Jesus could. And the Lord was preparing a nation. To receive Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And build a spiritual kingdom. And they were fighting to save the old. Jesus said you cannot put old wine. Into a new wineskin. You must put new wine. Into a new wineskin. And so the Lord is coming, and He wants to fill us with His Spirit, and He wants to breathe in us the breath of eternal life. But we're going to have to be willing to be in Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, I think it says, or chapter chapter 5, and Behold, he that is in Christ, all things are new. If any man be in Christ, old things are have passed away. Behold, all things are new. I want to get that reference for you. I'll find it. Second Corinthians chapter five, Second Corinthians chapter five, seventeen. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, all new things have come that's what he'll do and we must be willing to like the prophets not only see the new things that God is wanting to bring into my life into my family into my own life but reach out for them let the old pass away and receive the Holy Spirit I was going to give you a little analogy but I'm going to save your candle mom I was going to light this candle as a picture of it because Jesus said you're the light of the world does any man light a candle and put it underneath to hide it somewhere no that's not why we light candles when I was in Mexico years ago way back in the Copper Canyon of Mexico with the Tatamata Indian people. There's no electricity back there. And as soon as the sun went down, we stayed in these, these folks' home, just a little home, one bedroom, just a two-room house. Their family all went into the bedroom for the night. And we guys, we put out our sleeping bags and just laid on the kitchen floor. Well, it was the kitchen, living room, everything. When it got dark, she lit a couple candles. And I was amazed at how much light a candle gives. Because when you're in a place like that, there are no city lights. There's no electricity for miles and miles and miles. And it gets really dark. And a candle, one candle lit that whole room. I couldn't hardly believe it. I was like, oh, wow, I can really see. Because they left it get pretty dark before they lit the candle. Because they're so poor, candles are precious. When they lit that candle and put it up there, I was amazed. Gave light to the whole house, except for the other bedroom. That's what Jesus said. But something happens to the candle who gives light. You know what happens to this candle when it starts burning? What happens? Does it stay beautiful like this? No. What happens, Isaiah? You shook your head. Old and weird smells start coming from you. What else? It melts and drips. What else? Lucas. Lucas. Deforms. Burns itself up giving light to the room. Sacrifices its own nice beauty give light to others will you be god's candle that he can set on the candlestick to give light to others and your beauty will disappear and his purpose giving light to others will be come through you but so many times as a christian I find in my own self, I want to keep the beauty, all my own, my my way, my view, my life, my money, my will, my purpose, my dreams, my hopes, my future, my business, my church, my car, my house, my family. I want it to look like this. Have you guys met my family? Yeah. Aren't they beautiful? I can show them off. I mean, we even live in a really nice house. Look at the vase. Hasn't God placed us in just such a beautiful place? Isn't it wonderful? But without the electricity and without the Holy Spirit lighting that fire, Jesus said, John said of Jesus, When he comes, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. You cannot receive the Holy Spirit except that he is a fire. That's who he is. That's why he came with cloven tongues of fire in their head. Changed their whole life. They became candles. And in 10 years, most of them were dead. Their life had changed radically from being on a candlestick, nice homes, in the old nation of Israel, when God wanted to start a new nation, a spiritual nation of Israel, and He used those 120 in that upper room and said, I'll give my Holy Spirit to you. They had to be willing to be burned, their whole life consumed by the Holy Spirit. All those things that you said changed, happened. And at the end of the wick, the candle's gone. Which way do you want to live? Like this to the day you die? Nice and pretty? And then, eventually, they take you off the candlestick and God lays you in the grave like that. Or would you rather that He lights you up with His Holy Spirit And lets you slowly burn, deformed. It doesn't happen overnight. This candle won't burn down in like two seconds. No, no, no. It was meant to last for a long time and give light to many people wherever he takes it. And then eventually, the end of the candle. The candle's gone. The life is gone. And the Lord spoke to me and said this way to me. At the end of your life, will it be over? Will I be the one, only me, who can tell your story? Or where you have written your own story? If you've written your own story, done your own will, done your own things, you'll be this pretty candle that they'll lay down in the grave. But if I get to write your story and you burn out and no one sees it anymore because as the flame burns, the old keeps passing away. You don't see it anymore. That's just how life goes the whole way to the end. Nothing to boast of because people see nothing. But they talk of the light they received from you. And how nice that was. I'm still talking about that candle 20 years ago in that little house in Mexico. Poor candle, I don't even know its name. But I remember how brightly it shone around that, how much light it gave us. If he writes the story, at the end, in this world, there'll be nothing. In that world, eternal glory. Eternal inheritance. Which will you choose? You are choosing it every day. Every day the Lord has a lighter, the Holy Spirit. And that morning he comes and he says, who's groaning over their old pretty candles? I'll light them up. Put a mark on you. I'll give you the Holy Spirit. I'll light you up. And I think he probably finds many of his children saying, no thanks. Not today. I got my own plans today. Don't mess it up, Lord. Don't burn it up. For sure not. What a waste. I got my own plans. Okay. I'll go find another one. Can I light you up?
0: Amen. Let's take that challenge to, to every day to answer that question. You know, sometimes it's it's easy for us to get into our routine and just go through our day without even seriously acknowledging the power of the Holy Spirit that God has available to us. Sure, maybe we'll we'll take our 15 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour, two hours, whatever, to uh, read the word and pray, but then you just kind of go through your day. But it's through the day. It's not just through that little piece of time that you set aside for one-on-one with God it's through the day that his the power of his Holy Spirit becomes evident in our lives if we allow it to thank you for those words Phil All right, I think that concludes uh, this part of the service lunch is probably ready we'll be very shortly if it's not yet so let's stand a closing prayer, a blessing on the noon meal. John, will you pray for us? Lord, we thank you for meeting with us this morning and
3: showing us again your goodness and who you are and who we are. And, Lord, we want to choose life, Lord, because, Lord, that's the way we want to live, Lord, for you.
0: as We know this world is going to, Someday reel to and fro like a drunken man that says and never rise again, Lord. But we know you will be forever. So thank you for that. And Lord, we thank you for providing food again, Lord. And thanks for friends. We pray you would bless the food to our bodies. And bless the fellowship, Lord. And be with us, Lord, this week. Help us always to remember your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You're dismissed.